to episode 47 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Bryn Jackson. And I'm Brian Lovin. This week we sat down with Mark Otto. Uh, you might have heard of his little project called Bootstrap. It's a pretty small, like, indie. Yeah, just a little small thing. I don't know. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, he's also doing amazing work over at GitHub, previously at Twitter. We got and Zurb. And Zurb. And Zurb. We picked his brain about some pretty awesome CSS stuff. Um, and you, burritos. And burritos. Uh, we hope you enjoy listening. If you do, hit us up on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, if you're enjoying the show, give us a rating on iTunes. Some people have been leaving us some great critical feedback. We love to hear it. Uh, and if you're enjoying things, give us five stars. That helps us move up the charts and help new people find the show. And before we get into the show, we want to thank our awesome, awesome sponsors. First up is Dropbox. Dropbox is a fantastic service. You probably know of it. They have a free version that lets you sync up your files to the cloud. They also have a paid version that gives you a full terabyte of storage space, which is incredible. And we use it all the time. We use it for all of our files here at Spec and as well as like our work files. I use it as Sidewire. Brian uses it at Facebook. It's an amazing service. It really is the best way to share files with other people. It's fantastic. You can send comments in line. You can share files, big files instantly just by sending a link. You can request files from other people. It's a really awesome service and they're supporting the design community through things like supporting Spec. They're putting on events, they're doing dribble meetups, they're very involved and they care deeply about the community. They've got some of the best designers in the world working over there, doing some incredible, incredible things. Uh, We couldn't be happier to be partnered with them. If you want to check out Dropbox, which you definitely should, if you haven't already, go check out dropbox.com. Thanks once again to Dropbox. Our second sponsor for this episode is Code School. Code School is an online learning destination for aspiring developers that teaches you through actually entertaining content. Learning to code, yeah, they make it feel like a game, not like you're sitting in a classroom uh, completing all these tasks and and kind of drudging through it. It's actually a lot of fun. Uh, They have immersive video lessons and actual uh, coding challenges, so you learn by doing. Um, And it really has become uh, the best place to learn new technologies all from within your browser. You don't have to download complicated software. It's really easy. Um, They're helping people learn some really great languages like JavaScript, Ruby, Git, HTML and CSS, uh, or you can dig into stuff, some stuff like iOS and try R, or even learn more about the Chrome DevTools if you're working on the web. Code School also has an iPhone and iPad app, uh, so you can take your learning on the go. Uh, anywhere you are, you can actually just listen and watch these videos, learn more about programming, get into development. Uh, more than a million people right now are using Code School to improve their development skills and learn by actually coding. Uh, so if learning to develop has ever been intimidating or just something you're putting off, now is an amazing time to learn. Code School is making it so easy. Just visit codeschool.com slash design details. Uh, you can get more information and just start essentially playing these courses to learn how to code. It's amazing, and we are so glad to have them sponsoring the podcast. Thanks so much to Code School. And with that, let's get into episode 47 with Mark Otto. What are you working on right now? Uh, I am working on Bootstrap. I'm working on the next major version of Bootstrap, which is coming out soon. Version Bootstrap 7. Version X. Version X. We're going to go right to BSX, get acquired by Apple, rename the HIG to the big Business. Bootstrap <laughs> interface guidelines. I think that'd be rad. That was my April Fool's joke, and I just gave it away. I wanted, I've wanted. i talked about that for years. I think it'd be the coolest thing ever. The big. Um, <laughs> so working on Bootstrap, um, and I'm working on some stuff at GitHub. I'm working on 
major site changes like navigation. I'm working on a couple of smaller projects. I'm working on pull requests. I'm working on uh, making it easier for people to work together, that kind of stuff, which is like our whole shtick collaboration. And like when you stop and think about it, it's actually really hard to collaborate on some things on GitHub. So that I want to fix all that. I want to fix my own problems. It seems I, like a, a large chunk to bite off. Yeah, especially when you tack, when you want to tackle pull requests because people there's a the people that use GitHub love GitHub for what it is the GitHub flow you know using branches using pull requests um, and if you mess with their flow when you mess with something that's the established thing you're always asking for some trouble perhaps um, either you unforeseen things or people being upset that you're changing their their lives you know by especially if you roll out a fix in the middle of the day you know they're just they're herping derping along on their pull requests and then you like change the way it looks like right when they submit it and all of a sudden you're just like ah <laughs> so how do you deal with it uh hopefully you don't roll out completely massive redesigns all at once and just you know completely ruin people's lives um hopefully it's small enough to be like whoa it's different and like you freak out for a few minutes and then get back to work hopefully we've had a couple people we did like a couple bigger changes before and somebody got we've had a couple people that like get lost in the flow or get lost in a page somehow and they've written in and complained to support like hey don't roll out updates during the, the business hours but it's like we're at work just like you and i'm just like <laughs> this is no, our job <laughs> please don't make me do nighttime deploys like i have video games to play it's such a, it is such an interesting overlap of like working on github and as a developer but also yeah. like github is for developers yeah i'm working on github at Gi- i'm i work at github on github with github to build github and also open source projects do you store your design files in github uh i don't actually all of my design files are, most of my design files are nowadays actually in iCloud of all places. Interesting. All of my oh, because, stuff, because Sketch. Yes, because of Sketch. I just created a Sketch folder and I was just like, boom, it's easy. It, there's a little bit of a lag, but man, at least iCloud doesn't destroy my CPU when it's trying to sync things like uh, Dropbox does like half the time. I haven't so had that problem. but it, it spins up really easy. It's on my older Air, and so like that's my concern. But uh, there's a little bit of lag for syncing files, but they, they come in just fine and changes are synced. Like I put all my keynotes there and stuff like that. All my apps that have iCloud in there, I love everything's just there. It's the ease of use thing for me too, just that everything's there. So, but yeah, everything else I have, in, if, it's not in, uh, if it's not in GitHub, it's either in iCloud or Dropbox, which is pretty rad. Anything that's not in those folders on my laptop, like you could just crash and burn and I wouldn't care, which is pretty awesome. Well, I'm also, we don't ask too many people this, but what is your sort of toolbox right now of, of programs you're using that you like? Uh, my browser. I'll start with like just how I arrange my full screen windows in OS 10. Uh, all full screen. All oh, they're always everything's always in full screen as much as possible, except for like Finder and Twitter, which don't have that, right? So Safari is my browser of choice, uh, although its inspector tools are trash. Yep. Then now Adam is my editor of choice. Interesting. Uh, it's very Adam. on brand. Yeah, on your brand, website was on edited in Sublime Text, so that must be pretty recent. It was. It's a few weeks old, um, and it's because the beta for OS ten, when you go into Sublime Text two in full screen mode, it just ruins the text. Like it's like black with like a weird shadow, and it's illegible. So I was just like, I'm out. Switch to Adam, and Adam's finally fast enough for me that I was just like, cool. This work. This looks great. Okay. And it's pretty fast. So Adam, terminal. I use Slack a lot. You use Straight Terminal? You don't use anything? Straight Terminal. I don't use right. iTerm. I used iTerm for a while, and it was just kind of weird and different. And when people came over to my terminal, they were like, oh, it's weird and different. And I'm like, sorry. Do you have a bunch of crazy like bash profile stuff and dot files? I, I have a lot of aliases. Okay. I don't mess around beyond that too much. So I'm just like, I'm really lazy. So when I want to go to GitHub, GitHub, I just do GG. Boom, I'm there. Like that kind of stuff. Bootstraps BS will just take me there. I'm from anywhere, <laughs> which is awesome. 
<laughs> um, and when I have to edit my bash files and other alias, edit bash and it just opens it in Atom and I'm just like, yay. And then there's a resource to yep. re-update the source for terminal, all that kind of stuff. And I've got all that in like a, in a, in a repo on GitHub too, so I can go back to it whenever I need to. Uh, Slack, I use iMessage a lot. Um, we have our own internal chat client at GitHub called chat. So that's always open. Huh, descriptive. Very Creative. descriptive. Very on point. Syntactical. Yeah. It's powered by Campfire. I don't know when we'll, when or if we'll ever switch to Slack, but that, that would be cool. That's but I do use Sketch. I, I very, the only time I ever open Photoshop is to like grab a color from something or to like crop an image, which I find easier still to do there than in Sketch. It is. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because you just go into image dimensions, and I feel like I have no concept of that in Sketch. But okay, you use like preview or something. Like preview is the fastest way to do it for me. Oh, preview is good. But am I doing this oh, wrong? Yeah. When I want to grab a color, I open Sketch, draw a shape, then go to like the color picker. Is there a faster way to do that? You can just uh, pay, like if you take a screenshot. I think. Well, I take a Photoshop screenshot. Photoshop lets you drag on the canvas out over on something because you can just use. Yeah, you can just select the color and then. Yeah, there's also utilities for OS 10 that you can use to do that, so you don't need to launch like I a full blown yeah What's it's it really good it's called sip s-i-p i used to use um frank the loop which was just like a loop tool that the bit colors doesn't xscope have one too xscope yes yes yeah, it does going and too. scala has a color picker as well but it's like super advanced and the only person who knows how to use it correctly is mark edwards i need to up my game <laughs> gets into like anti-aliasing gamma and bullshit yeah <laughs> uh, i feel uh, i mean i live and breathe just like in my editor and my browser in terminal so you design in the browser most of the time definitely there there's a little bit more sketch that i've been doing lately as much as i can because uh, we one of my coworkers, jason long it went through and made the entire like github ui in sketch so it's easy just to open that alongside everything and just drag and drop symbols not symbols i don't think i don't think we're using symbols yet but um i think that maybe because like I don't, I don't know enough about sketches history to know when that was added or anything like that but we just went like the first pass which is just create everything so so just recently, like last six months or so, I think they added it where you could take a symbol and detach the text from it, mm. so you could change the text without like editing it everywhere. Oh, right! It's the best thing ever. There it's you go. so good. That's what's up. Yeah, we need that. So I do that every now and then, but mostly like GitHub's UI is let's try to be as pared down as possible and as simple as possible. And so like when I'm designing new features or iterating on new things. There's not really a lot that I have to go back to the drawing board for. Like you, you try to like in your sketchbook and whatnot. And if there's something you're like, hey, I want to try something different, like maybe step back from that out of the code. But for the most part, I've just that's always where I'm at. Like people ask me, for example, for the bootstrap, like, hey, where's the official Photoshop template? And I'm like, nah, I don't use Photoshop. Why would you need that? <laughs> yeah, why do you need that? Like it's all designed. The only the only part I use Photoshop for for bootstrap, I believe, was just to pick colors for our alerts. But after that, the only thing I used it for was to pick the Bootstrap Purple. This episode brought to you by Adobe. Yeah. Um. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Bootstrap Purple is actually comes from an ASAP Rocky album cover. Uh, <laughs> Jake and I were hanging out at meeting nice one night. Know. And some one of our contributors was like, yeah, what's up with red? Because Bootstrap 3's beta was red at the time. And because I was like, nah, let's try a new color. And everyone's like, yeah, purple was way better. And I was like, purple was way better. And Jake was like, hey, I got a bomb purple for you. And so we brought up this image, just Googling the search, like ASAP Rocky album covers. And it was like, I just eyedroppered right in the middle. Boom, Bootstrap purple, which is now the color of CSS on GitHub. Is it that ASAP Rocky, like the cloud thing? No, it's like the, uh, uh, it's like in a purple and American flag and him mm-hmm. on, the, on the cover. Yeah. I don't know the name of the album. I, I, what, what's your Twitter color? Where did that Twitter come color. from? What is my Twitter? You have color? that accent color. I don't know. What is my accent color? They just removed background images. Apparently, you'd have to tell me. I spent like the other day. I spent like ten minutes finding the right color for it because I realized that you could change the accent color. I didn't know oh, you could yeah. do that before. Is it like a blue? Yours, yours is just like pretty much regular blue. 
it's yeah. it's Twitter blue pretty much. It's probably Twitter blue or GitHub blue or Bootstrap blue. One of those blues, which are all the same. It's turquoisey. Startup it's, it's blue. Startup, it's startup blue. Yeah, it's startup blue. Tech blue. I uh I dug into comic books. I found Hawkeye purple, which is what made me think of it as mm. like the purple thing. Purple's a red color. I like purple. It's a good. It's a good color. It's not used very much at all either in tech. Products. No, there's Yahoo. That's probably that's the big one, it. right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Nobody used purple. It's mine. Mine and Yahoo's. Uh, is Bootstrap still the largest repo? It is by two x. That's insane. The uh, second closest repo. Uh, actually, there's two of them that are close. Largest in file size, or just like most important, most stars. If most you're talking stars. about stars by popularity, yeah. Um, largest by code base. I have no idea. Like, I don't know. Even I think you could probably search by that if you, you want. Probably to. don't want to know that. Probably don't <laughs> want to know that. We have the most forks. We have the most stars. Um, and I think we're sitting around eighty four thousand stars and about. 30 some thousand forks so are uh, you somewhat of a celebrity in the office uh not really people just give me flack for it people just yell <laughs> hey bootstrap thanks for making the web all the same i don't think anyone's ever called me bootstrap that'd be <laughs> bootstraps bootstrap. they say are you the mark bootstrap, bootstrap auto like when when, pe- when people read me when i introduce them they would say like i'll introduce my full name like oh are you the bootstrap bro and it's like yeah, I guess. Can that be your Twitter bio? Bootstrap, bro. <laughs> For a while, I was like, the, the whole bro thing is problematic. Yes, uh, but, correct. Uh, okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, but if I, I just want like a simple shirt, but I feel like I'd get flack for it too, is like, I am MDO. Like, I just want my Twitter handle. <laughs> and that's remarkably vain, probably. And people uh-huh. would just be like, Mark, that's the dumbest thing ever. But uh, I have it on my GitHub hoodie. It says it right on my sleeve. Where are my hoodie? I think my hoodie's you, over I was going to say, it'd be really cool. If, like, every time we go to a meetup at GitHub or whatever, it, you have those like name tags or whatever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just have one of those built into a t shirt. Yeah, that'd be rad. So it just looks like you're always. We do make a lot of swag. There's a lot, been a you lot do. of shirts that have come out from. GitHub I have a Twitter. lot of GitHub t-shirts yeah. from like the one time I went there. I have a ton <laughs> of Twitter shirts and I have a ton of GitHub shirts and that's it. I mean, I have other shirts, but for tech shirts, at least how that goes. I can't verify that. We could. My apartment's only, if this was a mobile, can we put casters on this table? Does this move? We could just go over to my apartment. It's half a block away. Not even. Let's do it. All right. We'll regroup we'll at Mark's place. <laughs> Where I'm probably, I'm, I'm probably like right there. Like I'm pointing through it's the wall. Way. It's that way? Yeah, no, it's not. Way. Yeah, it is. No, it's that he, way. he pointed that way earlier it's when I got here. He's wrong. He At any rate, I live about. like right next door, and it's, it was weird. It's just like one of those small world things. <laughs> uh, I'm curious though. Can you? I don't know how much you want to share uh, about what you're working on with Bootstrap for because I'll this share. has been a long project and it's pretty mature at this point. So I'm curious how you. It's down to, to one line of code that is Yo. 32 characters. So I went back through where we haven't. I haven't made a page for it or like a, a version switcher, but we I put all the previous v- releases of Bootstrap's docs up on getbootstrap.com. So you can go getbootstrap.com slash 1.0.0 and you'll see the 1.0 docs. And downloading those files, man, everything is everything was simpler. For, so Bootstrap's about to be four years old. Everything was so much simpler four years ago. There was the less files, all the source uh, yeah. dot less files. There was no JavaScript yet yeah. in Bootstrap 1. There was a single docs page and then there was a make file. And there was all the other open source stuff like, like package and readme and whatnot. Yep. But... Uh, the make file just was like, hey, compile the less files and have a watch task. And that was it. And it was so beautifully simple. And now it's like Bootstrap is a CSS and JavaScript framework that has a Java dependency because over HTML linter. And, you know, it's that kind, of, that kind of stuff that just, like, gets me. And, like, you need to know Grunt to be able to do anything. And our Grunt file is, like, a thousand lines and it's massive. And Grunt's this weird thing. And, and now you have to convert it to Gulp. Yeah, and which I, I thought about doing for V4, but that's too big, too many changes. Um, and you have to do, and you have to install less. You have to have npm. You have to. It's install. still on less. It's still on less right now. But we're switching to SAS in V4. Good man. I'm but, surprised you're not moving to post CSS because Jacob is super into post CSS. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's pretty rad too. Um, there's some things that I think 
uh, SAS affords a lot of people. Plus, I feel like I feel like more people are switching to it. It's kind of like I liken it to uh, web components. There's like a lot of rad stuff that are coming out with web components, but like nobody's really building big things with web components yeah. yet, like for products and stuff like that. So satisfying that uh, customer base isn't really our focus right now. But um, I tweeted actually like V4 start switching to SAS and V5 will probably will probably be post CSS. And so I could see that happening. And so people are like, why not just jump right to it? And I was like, I feel like everybody is either using SAS or less or something like that. Uh, I think the only thing people really use post CSS for or anything like that is like auto prefixer and a couple things like that. Or if they want to rewrite all your classes to be prefixed. I just use gulp auto prefixer for that. Yeah. 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 So there's that kind of stuff. Uh, but if you're doing linting art, have you thought about doing HTML preprocessing or is that just too much? Probably too much. Everything's uh, V4 is now everything's in Markdown for all the docs, oh, which wow. is so much better to write with. Yeah, because you don't have to escape any HTML ever, and uh, it's all built on Jekyll still. Um, so I get some free stuff that comes with that around like permalinks and whatnot. So um, and includes and layouts and everything like that. So that's pretty rad. But um, there's a lot of big changes coming in V4. V4's diff is unbelievably massive. It's bigger than V3's was. V3's been out for two years already. Um, so it's like time, I think, that we just do a massive rewrite. Uh, we're dropping IE8 support. We're switching from less to SAS. We're switching from pixels to rems and ms. Nice. Uh, we're switching why, from less to ms. Why ms? Um, there's a couple things that you don't want relative to the the root element. You just want relative to the parent, like badges and labels. You want to be just like super relative to the parent, right? So like if you put like a label, which is just like a rounded rectangle with a solid background color in uh, an H1, it should be sized differently than like in a P tag, right? Uh, so that kind of stuff. But and then also you don't use rems in media queries, so it's all M's there. Mm. If you do, you get like some weird bugs and stuff like that. Safari just freaks out and everything like resizes. What? There's no bugs on the web. Yeah, man. Yeah, everything's consistent there. You know what the raddest thing shout is? Out to uh, uh, the rat. I think one of the raddest things about working on Bootstrap is that there's mentions in like the Mozilla Dev Network for like links to Bootstrap's docs and our issues and our pull requests because we found bugs in browsers. And I just think that that's like the coolest thing. <laughs> that ever. is pretty amazing. It's super nerdy, but I'm like, no, that's awesome. The MDN is like the best site on the internet. Like if if you're new to the internet and like working on front end stuff and you like stumble upon W3 schools, don't go there. Just add MDN to the end of your searches and you'll be so much happier because their docs are way better. They look better. They're more informative and everything. So it's good stuff um what else is coming in v4 i've dropped a couple components on the css side so i'm i'm recombining panels wells thumbnails and one other thing i think into this new things called cards everyone loves cards like card metaphor of like an image on top of cards is the jam the age of cards (laughs) yes yeah so cards are coming this is the cards era yeah yep it is the next eight months yeah 2k15 year of the card uh, I like saying 2K15 instead of 2015. <laughs> yeah, that really was <laughs> like, like it's an NBA game. Yeah, it's definitely it's all, but it's all it's a whole game, man. It's a front end game. It's <laughs> but crazy. Design 2K15. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else? So I got those components. Uh, oh, so we're changing how we like handle theming and stuff like that. So in Bootstrap 2, which is like the most iconic version of Bootstrap, that's like the last the, one I use. I think the uh, gradient nav bar, the gradient blue buttons that everybody can just be like, oh, that's Bootstrap. Uh, we added that as like a separate CSS file that you can add on top of V3 when we went pretty flat um, to give people that kind of like more polished look. That's all gone. So by deleting that and a bunch of other components and rewriting everything, uh, I've dropped over like 30K of minified CSS from Bootstrap in v4 and uh, we've got a new approach to how we're handling like all the basic theming stuff if you want to enable gradients on like buttons you just do a global variable change enable gradients equals true instead of false 
and you just re- you set that boolean and you recompile you're good that's amazing and i'm using it for like more crazy things like turning on flexbox mode so if you want if you're if you know your audience really well like if you're building like an internal dashboard and it's, you know it's only going to run in chrome and like safari and whatnot or firefox um and you know you can drop ie9 support which we can't do because like, i think it'd be too big of a jump for a major version one major version you can enable that and opt into less browser support, which requires IE10 and up. And what it'll do is it'll swap our floated grid system for Flex. It'll swap all the t- t- uh, display table and table cell stuff we're doing for a lot of other components with Flexbox and whatnot. So, and then it adds all the other things that you can do. So, like if you want your grids to be top and bottom aligned, if you want your media components to be top and bottom, like you get all that stuff uh, by opting into that. So, uh, it's been weird to code things like that uh, rather than just like straight this is how it is rather than like hey it could be this I imagine it's going to be a little bit of a shit show uh, for like maintaining that being like what version of that bootstrap are you really in and hard. then this number like no are you in flex or are you in regular so we'll see how it all goes we're going to do an alpha in mid late August uh, the first alpha that'll be our first release and so we get people using it and telling us what's all really janky about it Jacob rewrote everything in uh, all the JavaScript. Uh, it's all ES6 now, which is pretty rad. Um, just continue to like whittle down all that stuff. Uh, not a lot of new other behaviors or components or stuff like that. Like we'll save that for uh, subsequent minor releases and stuff like that. So, but uh, rewriting, if you have like a major open source project and commit a lot of time to, I feel like the best thing you can do for yourself, to, like stay excited about it, is to rewrite it like every year or two. And like that might piss off a lot of people. And I'm expecting a little bit of pushback on some of these big changes. For the most part, it's been positive from what, what? I've like, teased. The web is always positive. There's never yeah, anything bad the on there. I, uh, I don't know. Nerds uh, love everything. I've seen enough people being trolls on the internet, and been, I've been called the Antichrist. I've been called many other profane names. Stuff well, like I that. mean, I can see your like evil aura right now. Yeah, so. you can. Um, I try to hide it. It's really tough. But uh, I, I don't know. People give flack about Bootstrap 2 and stuff like that, and I just take it you know, tongue-in-cheek. It's good. All press is good press, that kind of stuff, you know? But... Uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm excited about it. No, I thought the M's thing was particularly interesting because, uh, like, listening to Jacob's cascading shit show and <laughs> I own that URL. God, like, that's we were talking so about good. his talk, and he was like, "Yo, you were talking about that URL. Can I use it for my talk?" And I was like, "Absolutely, cascadingshitshow.com." But it's nothing there right now. I really want something there. And then John Gold was also like hating on M's pretty hard. He was hating on M's. Yeah. So the problem with M's and REMs is like you don't have like the uh, everyone you still want pixel level control. Like you want everything yeah. to be perfectly lined up and like rems and M's, you end up with like third pixels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like you end up with some really weird pixel rounding and every browser does pixel rounding differently. Some round up, some round down, some round up and down at like three decimals versus six decimals. Like you can just change the decimals and it'll change its behavior pretty radically. And I'm, it's, that's been the only problem I think that I've run into. And I think I've got everything mostly buttoned up on that, but that's definitely a, a source of, uh, contempt for a lot of people I think so if you're trying to avoid that stuff do you do everything pretty explicitly or do you do any like do you use like SAS functions and stuff if you're re- rewriting SAS like for my typography I use a lot of functions to write out all the, the sizes differently um, no it's all just straight SAS straight C- I try to keep it as CSS as possible uh, I give this talk called MDOular CSS modular CSS MDO. The, the, the domain was available the so vanity, I took it. The, the vanity the vanity oh the vanity <laughs> it, I mean it's literally a typo I'd hope that the <laughs> it's an awesome available. typo though and it I saw cute. it because I, I made the typo and I was like searching for modular CSS and I was thinking about this talk and like CSS architectures and all that crap that people love to talk about um, and I was like oh that's pretty cool it's pretty self-centered I'm into that <laughs> um, but, but it's like my 10 rules for like how I write CSS and like that's one of the things is keep it as CSS as possible uh, when, you're re- when you're using preprocessors because like as soon as you put more of those barriers it's same we were talking about build tools earlier um 
it's uh, similar to that because you put all these barriers to people that just want to like use the thing that you're making, like the end product. And you're like, well, to do it, you need this and this and this and this and this and this. And you just keep people so far away from it. So like, I, install- I like to keep people really close to what we're working on, you know? SAS gem and then npm install everything. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, npm install is crazy. There's a lot, so many dependencies. Like, just blows my mind. Dependencies I, and build tools are like the bane of front end right now. My favorite is when people don't include packages. Yeah. So then you have to do everything manually. It's yeah. Like, just a cluster. No bueno. Are you jaded about the world of CSS and JavaScript right now? Or are you excited about what is happening in the world? No. So CSS gets a lot of flack. <laughs> so I, I tweeted this uh, like a year ago, maybe, or something like that. I've no idea my sense of time right now but somebody tweeted there's a peter griffin gif of him with the blinds and it's like css yeah and my reply to that is like bob ross with a beautiful painting and it says css and i'm just like it's not that bad like there's quirks and so i have a whole site called wtf html css which is like some weird things that i've run into where people like don't really think about that often and i i guess just after having done it for 15 years i'm used to it and so there's a little bit of curmudgeon in me too like get off my lawn like uh-huh. stop trying to write css and javascript stop trying to add, add all these preprocessors and stuff like that just write css and everything will be a-okay like you don't need to get fancy it's not a programming language don't make it one please don't make it one just keep it it's I don't know. I, I love it. Like, it's just super easy for me. I, I don't get anything else about programming. Like, I don't write Ruby. I don't write JavaScript. Like, all that's way over my head. I want to at some point. Just if I can take a break from Destiny and, like, focus on, like, learning something <laughs> for once dude. in, like, 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Definitely priorities. Um, yeah, no, I love it. Uh, I think it's, I've kind of steered, steered clear of, like, the CSS and JavaScript thing that's going on right now. A lot of people are, like, trying to write styles in React, and I don't fully understand it because I don't, I've never used React for, for one. Um, that's a good it, reason not to know it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it feels like a lot of people are just trying to compensate for problems that they've implemented them. They've, like, they're, like, adding the problems themselves. Um, and that sounds, that's a lot of finger pointing, and it sounds really, uh, uh, not helpful, but um, if you focus on just writing components as simple as possible, writing CSS and HTML components as simple as possible, then none of the stuff ever really matters. And if it's all just done right, the only thing that really matters is what the output is. And so I've been thinking about this a lot more lately too. Like, like you can do all the crazy stuff you want in SAS with like extends and placeholders, but you chances are your output's going to be less graceful and uh, also larger file size if you as opposed to like writing just straight CSS. And so if you care more about your output, which is what your users are going to download with their bandwidth on their mobile phone stuff and also what the browsers have to parse then i think that's where you can get like some good performance gains you get some good code quality gains like you don't have to like ruin your mind every time you have to go in and like find a bug in your code base and stuff like that so it's all right people people like branch out like everyone branches out in these wild directions when it comes to front end and then everyone's like we tried all these things we came back just like it's one other thing that we're doing all along and and you're just cruising along like yeah uh yeah (laughs) so i'm gonna ride that train as much as i can we'll see how that goes no um Hopefully it'll be all right. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. So, so do you subscribe to like functional CSS? I think so. Uh, John Gold tweeted about this, and he was, yeah. and I was like, "Is functional CSS the same as good CSS?" Then he linked me to his blog post, and I was like, "Then yes." <laughs> um, yeah, it's tiny, be like, tiny utility. It should classes. be really, yeah, tiny. Well, you can go overboard on that. Um, and I haven't had the chance to talk. I talked to Adam Morris, who made Tachyons. And uh, yeah. Brent Jackson. I, I've talked just a little bit. Um, Brent Jackson, person, my yeah. East Coast twin. Yeah. Yeah? Brent Have Jackson you guys met? Brent Jackson, no. We talk on Twitter. Yeah, okay, there you go. There it is. Um, you guys <laughs> do like some music collab, just like uh, him and Murmurs. Oh, God, I'd die. Um, but he, they're incredibly smart people, and they think about it from completely different ways than a lot of other people are doing, which is really good. And like, I feel like those are the ones that started the, start the conversations around immutable CSS, 
which is pretty rad. And we have we've had concepts of that for a while. Wait, just immutab- utility classes. I just saw a thing come out about immutable CSS. Yeah, today. Uh, Brent worked on it. It was like a validator, basically, for immutable CSS. If you're overriding a utility class, like an immutable class, it'll fail for you and say, "Hey, you shouldn't override this." Like if you had dot red and you change it to orange, then it's just like you well, one, you're ruining, you're just wrecking people's lives here. First of all, but second of all, it fails this this parser. So that stuff's really good, but you can go overboard, I feel like. The cognitive load for that. I feel like that was also like the cognitive load for like BEM and stuff like that. Like I just don't subscribe to that at all. Just write it really simple and to the point. Like my rule for writing uh, selectors is put a dash between important keywords. And like you're basically golden. Like you can tell by the, the name of the thing. Like you don't care if it's an element or a modifier. You'll just figure it out. Like if you have uh, like a search, like header search. Theoretically, it could be like the search headers header variation but in all likelihood it's that it's an actual search field or something like that um but uh tying markup to the selectors and stuff like that people focus a lot on selectors but selectors are not the full picture like i i, I say it in my that talk i gave a talk on mdo css instead of building the, the dang site out um but uh it's like focus on what's between the curly braces um and so I care a lot about the order of your CSS properties. I care a lot about... What's your methodology there? Uh, positioning, box model, uh, typography, backgrounds and borders and other visual things. And then a lot of the other miscellaneous CSS3 type stuff that goes Totally. There. I hate when people do it alphabetically because that doesn't follow like the order that it needs to be in. Yeah, somebody had a really good argument about alphabetical for me. Um, in uh, I think uh, Google says talk. that you should do that. And I just... That blew I don't mind. like alphabetically because... Uh, for one, like I feel like that order is how those things actually, that's how the properties affect the element that they're styling, right? So if it's position absolute, I know it's going to get removed from the normal flow of the page, right? Mm-hmm. So I already, already know that throughout, throughout like everything else. And then if it's top and right, left, zero, I know it's going to be stretched to the top. So it's like, it's like having in the inspector, there's a little box model tool. I have one of those going like nonstop in my head. Um, and it's rad to be able to just walk through your CSS and see that stuff. And it also affords you uh, if you have float left and then you have display inline block get rid of the display because you don't need that. Like if you put those right next to each other, which I do in my property order versus alphabetical, you know you don't need display inline block because one, that's not what happens. When you do float, it automatically comes display block. So you don't need a display. And so like the only thing you would ever need that for is if you're supporting IE6, which needed display inline to go with the float, which I, I imagine none of you guys actually had to deal with because you're just so young. I live in a post IE6 world. It's my, a good world. I it's grew up world. in that world. I, yeah. I, I used to love Windows, but... The first thing I developed web stuff for was wedding invitation personalizers. And these people use old ass browsers. Like even inside the company I worked for, it was like IE6 or IE7. Yeah, there's still a lot of people that are on those old browsers. There's still yeah. a lot of people on IE7 and everything too. I keep looking at my phone. I'm wondering like what people are saying on Twitter, but I don't see anything yet <laughs> about this Periscope thing. Periscope. They're, they're in Periscope. They're literally in Periscope. I don't have People have been offering you uh, training lessons on React and shit. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, man. I wish I could see these comments, but my phone's over there. I don't want to... I'll let you bum mine, but then you'd have to sign in and everything. Yeah. And then you'd see all my funny Twitter accounts on here. How many do you have? (laughs) I only have five right now. I've got my personal one, Bootstrap. My buddy's... uh, a parody account for my buddy my dog's account don't we all have a parody account for our and buddies? then primer github css toolkit has one but there's no tweets for it yet i just like set up the colors in the avatar and that was a just to grab it mm. you know that kind of thing yeah uh i don't know i don't know about react tutorials but if you any of y'all want to play destiny on xbox one <laughs> i will ruin you the person who offered react tutorials i guarantee he wants to play with you because <laughs> it's all michael right. schultz and that's all right. rolls. rad and he is a react 
fanboy. Hi, Michael. Yeah, he's developing iOS stuff in React Native. Do it. That seems pretty rad. I don't get it. That seems rad writing on uh, thing and compiled other things. We'll see how long it lasts, you know? Like, there's... So, you seem like you're trying to avoid preprocessors, but then you say, like, yeah. write one thing and compile the other things. Yeah, so... I love I love preprocessors, and so the whole reason Bootstrap was on less, by the way, was because it was a JavaScript file when I started using it. I think it was a gem before that, and then they switched to JS back in like the V1 days of that. And this was when I was this was like 2010 when I was at Twitter, and it was awesome because I could get all these features because I was like install the Ruby or the SAS gem, and I was like, what the fuck? What is a gem? How do I even get that? First of all, like I had no idea like, how anything I worked on my Twitter laptop because the Twitter dev environment <laughs> was just so crazy. It took three days to set up. So I was like, forget Seriously? messing with it. Yeah. Well, this was, this was again, like six years ago, right? So like the tools, like the automate, all that stuff has come a long way for like yeah. new employees and whatnot. Um, you just ghost the machine, that kind of thing. But uh, it was just this less fun. I could tell people include this one JavaScript file and then include the CSS file. Uh, just in the head of your site and you can just take off running and you'll automatically get all the the bug fixes that i have so that's how i like built sites on internally at twitter on the internal version of bootstrap which was called twitter blueprint at the time and uh that's that's the reason why i got into less and why we stuck with less because it was it was always faster and it was all in this jobs it was always in javascript so i felt familiar to a lot of us and uh i still i still love it but as soon as you start to get too clever you, I feel like you get into trouble like trying to go back and relook at code and fix bugs or, or have anyone else come on and contribute. Like the last that was written to generate all of our grid classes, we programmatically generate the the 12 grid classes um, for all the tiers by just saying, hey, use these number of columns, these breakpoints and this gutter, and it'll go ahead and spit out all those classes and styles, which is pretty cool. It's really tough to look at if you don't know anything about beyond html and css it's like what is that magical block of code because it just looks super intimidating and then it's done even differently in sas because it is just you're just iterating over stuff it's just a loop in sas which is pretty crazy that's as crazy as i get i feel like in preprocessors like everything else like i use color functions those are pretty cool it's a really easy way to get away from like all your colors so you have like dozens and dozens of colors that maybe you could just standardize with regular variables i love variables people love variables people want variables for everything in bootstrap and i'm kind of sometimes i'm against that but lately i've been like yeah, sure. Throw a variable at it. Um, mixins are pretty cool. I don't use extend. Extend is a really easy way to get yourself in a lot of trouble. Um, you can extend with uh, with care, but like we uh, somebody extended like our button class once for pagination and added like a thousand selectors or something like that to our build. So we monitor that. You're just looking at the graph. Whoop. Oh, roll it back. All right, and fixed. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of stuff like when you do that, it clouds your vision of what the outputted compiled CSS is. And that's really all, like I said before, your browsers and your people are going to care about. It's like what's outputted. And when you do all that stuff, it clouds your ability to know what the actual output is. And there's other crazy stuff too. I talked about some, I've given that other talk too. I, um, I, don't, I talk about it for days. So if you want to just let me run with this, I'll just talk. We'll keep going till tomorrow. I'll be here till tomorrow, <laughs> dude. Um, but uh when you use like the uh, the nest when you're nesting your CSS, and I just wrote a blog post about this too. If you do the unnest ampersand, put the ampersand all the way at the right of the selector, and it appends that as a parent, that that that's just stupid. Don't do that. Like that's not how net. That's not how CSS works. That's not how like you should like model that. Like if you're five levels deep, and then there's like a of nesting, and then there's an ampersand at the end, and you have to go all the way back to the top. That's just like pfft, forget it. Burn the laptop. Walk away. Go play Destiny. Interesting. Yeah. No, I just like it, keeping it really simple. I treat it as like if child. So yeah. I have used it a few times. Yeah. Then there's the at root in SAS, which is just like, this is nested 10 levels deep, root. but at root says just put it right at the root. So I'll just rip it right out of that. Yeah, I that's don't. bad. That's bad. I'll nest media queries. Media queries nesting is fine. Like dot element and then media query in that and it'll, I don't know if you do So it. I read your, your piece on that on your blog yeah. t- today. And it, like I'm like, shit, I do all of this. 
Yeah, <laughs> so I'm bad. Like, I, I feel do like bad. Pseudo selectors. I use it for BEM. Like I use ampersands for BEM. I use. Yeah, so I care a lot about like being able to just like quickly search for things too. Like uh, especially now that I'm using Sublime, if I don't get it or uh, using Atom instead of Sublime, Sublime is so fast. Everything's so fast in Sublime text. Even its search and its code bases is great. And Atom is a little bit slower, and I notice it. And so if I have to do a couple of searches, I'm just like wasting my time here. So if I <laughs> if it's like Sublime. if it's only if I have to search for half of a selector rather than the whole thing or half of a class. I just like ugh, rough. See, I just expect it, so I just start my career with like ampersand underscore. That's underscore, true. There whatever. are expectations. Like if you know it's how your code base is yeah. structured, that's true. Yeah, but I also do all my typography with like functions, so that's like all stripped out. Oh, word. Yeah, yeah. All of ours for Bootstrap four. Well, in GitHub's all in pixels. Everything's like kind of old and uh, in GitHub in that regard. Where when you have big sites like that, I feel like they tend to lag behind a little bit. You can spin your wheels on that, or you could build meaningful product changes, right? So that's a balance. But then Bootstrap 4, it's just straight up REMS, and you just change the HTML uh, font size for different viewports, and you'll get your responsive tiers. And hopefully it's a good ratio for those. Well, I'm open to tweaking them, but yeah, that's how we handle that. No crazy functions. Yeah, I have functions that choose all my font sizes and line heights based on the viewport sizes and like um, whatever element it is. I don't know. I spent like an hour doing it one day and just kept it forever. <laughs> crazy, it's crazy. How yeah. many people write CSS at GitHub? Um, a number of people write some CSS, uh, but the ones that like manage the that are like our CSS go to people, it's probably four or five, and the company's like three hundred and fifteen people, I think, right about now. I'm always curious how when you get past like even four or five people, like how do you maintain um, sanity? And I know you guys have the style guide. We we fail the build as often as we can. Uh, so uh, there's like some standard things that we start that uh, one of our engineers was like, oh, I noticed people like all these kind of things are happening. Maybe I should just write tests for them. And we're like, what kind of tests? And so he starts writing them. And uh, it's this guy, Adam, uh, Adam Robin, and he wrote all these all amazing tests so that if you add uh, some CSS and then you don't end up using it, the build fails. Yeah. If it's not, if it doesn't, if that class doesn't appear anywhere in your Rails views, fail the build. Uh, same goes for the opposite. If there's a class used in your views that's not mentioned in any of our CSS, fail the build. Um, if you nest too many levels deep, fail the build. Um, so what, we, we automate levels? a lot of that stuff. What's that? How many levels? Do I think left? we have like four right now. We wanted to get down to three, but there's some stuff that we didn't want to rewrite that's just like has been untouched for years. We're just like, no, you stay exactly <laughs> how you are, four-year-old code. Like you a stay. dusty, creaky shelf. Yeah, exactly. I don't exactly. want to touch you. Yeah. Yeah. So just we'll, we won't mess with that. But uh the the key has always been, and even before I got there, I've been at GitHub for, it'll be three years in October, which is the longest job I've had So in literally forever. Literally forever. Uh, before I even got there, they had this thing called Primer, which was made by this guy, John Rohan, which is our CSS toolkit. And it was made by, uh, obviously, all the other people that worked at GitHub, too, that contributed to it. But um, it's like their internal, it was our internal CSS toolkit, and there was always docs for it. Um, they had the, st- there was the GitHub style guide, so everything was documented as much as possible. Um, and so everyone just kind of rallies behind that, right? So writing it up, working with your team, changing that stuff over time, evolving it. Like, I just went through and edited the primer docs to... Because we don't know, we no longer use requires for all of our SAS imports. It's all just an explicit at import list so that we control the flow of, like, specificity and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Put all your utilities at the end, you know, not, not right at the beginning for specificity Did reasons. you, like, a um, table of contents kind of file? That that's basically it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the same the same approach I take in Bootstrap. Like this is a specific order in which things are included, and I think that works out pretty well. And as long as all that stuff is like in a place where people expect to go find the guidelines or they know who they can ask, like I think you're in a good spot as you start to grow. And at GitHub we have a buddy system, so you have a go-to person whenever you need to, whenever you start for like the first several months. Like always, 
should always feel like uh, empowered to go talk to this person about anything and that person should help you direct you and stuff like that so having that and the docs is what matters most what do you care about second most to css second most to css uh my answer would probably be destiny uh burritos burritos does your girlfriend listen to this uh i don't know if she's listening she's (laughs) actually when i left she was playing minecraft okay Um, okay so burritos 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 are amazing Burritos is a whole thing in this city. I mean, there's food on sticks, but food in burritos is better. Food wrapped in foil. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, there's a burrito sitting in my fridge that I'm going to heat up when I get there. Oh, that <laughs> you've been thinking terrible. about it this whole time. No, this this burrito reheats very What's well. What's your burrito of choice? The so my go to. I actually just had a question on my. I have an AMA repo on GitHub. So people just ask I saw me that, stuff. Yeah. Like I. I, I love being like if people want to ask me something like please ask me like I love being accessible like I grew up like in the middle of Wisconsin where I didn't get to like have like one-on-one conversations like mm-hmm. this in person with people it was always like oh they're miles and miles away and like it never talks to people like subscribe to RSS um, so I love when people can talk to me I want to just talk to people all the time but they asked me I was like hey well, what's your favorite burrito in San Francisco one is really close to the GitHub office it's called Mexico All Park mm-hmm. and yes. uh, it's in South Park and it's okay I think it's I hate Chipotle now. I hate Chipotle. Okay. Screw Chipotle. Um, I think Chipotle is a good man. fallback. It's the thing. So here's my thing. I like steak in my burrito. Yeah. And so Chipotle steak is just not good. And neither is their their build quality. So we're talking about, we're talking <laughs> about at a restaurant. Structure is important. Structural integrity. You talk to any of my my friends and coworkers that have known me for a few years. They're just like, oh, Mark loves to talk about his job at the restaurant or how he cares about like the build quality of like your sandwiches and your burritos <laughs> and stuff like that. Like a young engineer. In the can making. we hang out yeah. every day? <laughs> yeah, right. So, like, if you, I would for example, if you get like a sandwich and it's on like uh, it's on like sliced uh, sliced bread, and all the meat's piled up in the middle like a ball, and you just get nothing but crust, and then the middle is like all the meat and all the avocado and bacon and other ingredients fall to the sides, and so it's not a balanced sandwich. <laughs> that sucks. Like, I need that symmetric sandwich. Uh, I, I love symmetrical architecture. I love symmetrical a piece sandwiches. of everything in every bite. Yeah. Yeah, you want everything. You want to experience the most that sandwich has to offer okay. at all times. If you don't have that, that sucks. So I care a lot about that. And I feel like Mexico Park does like the perfect construction for a burrito. They throw everything in there. Really? They even do a little mm-hmm. bit of a spread. Like they, they throw everything in the middle and then they roll over the sides, like all the way in the middle, and then they spread the ingredients out a little bit and then they roll and then they do the double foil. And it's just like wrapped so tightly and perfectly and they hand it to you. And it's just like, thank you for making my day better by making this burrito. It's good. It's good. It's and also it's, like it's, a block from GitHub. It's a block from GitHub. It's also really fast. Like if there's a line of 20 people at the door, don't shy away. You'll stand in line for like 10 minutes. You'll be in and out. The burrito line just goes super quick. Is that and your I favorite in the city? Burrito. What's that? Is that your favorite in the city? Uh, It's kind of tied because like my second go-to is Senior Sisig. And there's the senior oh, just gives a food truck right is over. So bad. What? Ugh. Have you had their California burrito? Yeah. I don't think a burrito should have fries in it. I think... All burritos should have French fries. In them. No, I don't. Um, I think some burritos can have French fries in them. And this is so a California burrito, if you're unaware, has French fries in it. It's like French fries, avocado, sour cream, pico de gallo, meat, and all in your burrito. It's like the densest burrito you can possibly I, it's have. A, it's the definition of gut bomb. Yeah, I, I'm going to have one of those when I get back. That's the burrito I have in my Ugh, fridge. That actually sounds so good. It is. And, so good. It's, and they're, right it's always there. there. They're it's like a so block close. away from us, which is fantastic. Um, and I, whenever I go, I always buy like three or four because I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to need another of these later. Uh, so I love Senior Sysig. Plus, their site's built on Bootstrap. So shout out. All right. So what's, so what's the parallel to engineering here? Uh, for Senior Sysig? Yeah. Uh, Build quality, material design yeah i guess uh, i mean you could maybe go for like the dependency route i don't know like 
Like, if you're like, like I've started burrito shops, so why not like have some fries in there? Like, because you you had like this uh, restaurant gem or something like that, and it was just like fries are included, so like why not use them? Require you know, kind of weird thing. I, that's probably a horrible <laughs> joke analogy. I'm I'm sorry, everybody. I'm sorry, internet. I don't know. This is kind of one of those things. Like, I could do this in CSS, or I could do it in JavaScript. I'm gonna do it in CSS, make my life a living hell. But it ends up being like really awesome because it turns into like there's like people like do like art in CSS. This is this burrito. It's just it's art. She, Allison House, yeah, she's art in CSS straight up. Yeah, she's crazy. And shit. like people made like an unrolling Coca Cola can in CSS. Like people remade Homer Simpson in CSS, and it's just like it's beautiful, man. Sometimes awesome. I just go on CodeKit and look at the top pens and yeah, just remind myself that I don't code know pen, anything. Not code Kit, CodePen.io. Yeah, you said CodeKit. You did, but did I? We knew what he meant. Code kit's a different thing. Whoops. Well, you, we knew what you meant. The it's whole been week. a long day, guys. Yeah, I got don't, you. Worry don't worry about <laughs> it. You're fine, dude. I got your back, though. I didn't give you crap for it. Well, he did. You guys did rolled with it so smoothly. I was like, Yeah, I did. He called you out, man. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, Brent. All right. Code pen, <laughs> top pens. Now, now no one on the internet can bother you about it because I, I took care of you. Thank you, Brent. I don't, I don't use Code pen much. But I don't I do, use it. I love JS Bin. JS Bin is my jam. I love JS Bin. Just because it's linked to everything in Stack Overflow. <laughs> that's what it makes me use JS bin. plus uh, you can just include bootstrap in there which is pretty rad so we just use it for like bug reports like and it has live update and you can write in markdown if you want you can write in less and sass you can write in stylus if that's your jam too or there's a console in it like I like the column layout versus like the quadrants <laughs> stylus from if you JS want to. Fiddle the interface is also really pared down compared comparatively to like JS Fiddle and CodePen I feel like and there's even bootstrap like flavors of there's something called bootply that is basically like a js bin js fiddle code pen just for bootstrap and that kind of stuff it's pretty crazy people build these things so i think it's rad but um there's all sorts of things like that but yeah, i love watching what people can build in css and stuff like that um i think i think it's uh, it's reflective of uh, a lot of designers writing css that they're just like how much of this can i do in css like it, i feel like it, it's approachable to them because it's uh more designery you know it's tied directly to like layout and composition and aesthetics and whatnot so makes sense yeah uh another good burrito by the way little chihuahua little chihuahua has a really good burrito two locations in san francisco i believe valencia and i don't know where else i've only been to the valencia one have you read tacolicious tacolicious is mediocre best ah they have filet mignon tacos yep filet mignon in your taco it's pretty hard to impress can can you guarantee that it's filet mignon I don't know. Can we just, we, we just talk about Taco Bell instead? Because I love Taco Bell. Uh, I can't do that. It's not. It's not we real taco. Like, if you think of Taco Bell as any kind of like relation to Mexican food, you're just asking for trouble. It's just Taco Bell. It shares. It's, 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 it shares it's a its own. Name. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a its own cuisine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely is. Have you ever had Baja Blast? Yeah. Yeah, real good. A lot of sugar in it, but it's what? But now that it's like this bright neon version, even more neon version of like regular Mountain Dew. You've never had Mountain Dew Baja Blast? I don't drink sh- like I don't oh. eat sugar. God, I always forget. Bryn oh. is a weirdo. He doesn't. I don't like, you. I don't like sweet food. Oh, that's all it is. It's it's not like any. Like, I made myself thing. a cake this weekend and ate the entire thing myself. <laughs> so I think that's what broke me. Is I made like for my. I probably shouldn't. Twenty first or twenty second birthday. I was. I, I had applied to culinary school. I got like an almost full ride scholarship to a culinary school in New York. It was right before I got my uh, first design job. And someone's like, you'll pay me instead of me like going to New York and living off nothing. That'd be great. And uh, I made myself an eight layer ice cream cake. Man. <laughs> and I think I broke my sugar sensors. <laughs> oh, I still haven't done that. I'll make, I'll, I love baking too. My mom's a baker. So I'll bake cookies and I'll just, it's like Homer Simpson in space. It's like, I don't get that reference. Cookies, except reference. like it's not as graceful <laughs> yeah. because I'm not in zero G, so it's just like really disgusting to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so structure, 
Papalote has the best burrito structure. Oh, in my yeah. Opinion. Yeah. I've heard that. I actually haven't had Papalote. I need to go on like a full-blown... I, I sit in my I sit in my tower and nap. At any rate, we don't need to talk about that anymore. We can go back to talking about Taco Bell. <laughs> the important thing. Cool Ranch Taco. Everyone can relate cool to Taco Bell. Cool Ranch Taco. Really good. They're also... They're gonna, did, you, did you read about this? They're bringing like an upscale, modern, like serving alcohol Taco Bell to San Francisco. I still I'm gonna go across the Taco street Bell in the same word. Sentence? Yeah, man, they're wow. gonna you can get some wine with your uh, tacos. <laughs> the last time I had Taco Bell, I was in rural Iowa. Have you been to Taco Bell Beach, Pacifica? John in Gold. Pacifica. Oh, John Gold went with you. Yeah, he yeah, did. yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw yeah. that. Saw you guys. And he's that. like, I wish I had a motorcycle. And I was like, want to go three up? Yeah, <laughs> man, it's good. I love going down there. It's a ritual. Go down for like Friday, just like grab some people from the office, just go and hang out for a little bit, get some Taco Bell. I love it. It's a weird thing. We were talking. There was something else. Uh, you were talking about school. So what happened? Like you, you did. You were, were going to do culinary. You were just like, screw that. Get a job. Yeah. So, so the school was, I think it was two years, and it was like a hundred grand. Did you? So did you ever graduate from college? No, I dropped out. So this was before that. So I, yeah. I already dropped out of college because I went for. I tried automotive engineering. Switched wow. majors after like quarter or two, maybe. Yeah. Because I just hated my teachers. Yeah, I switched to audio engineering. Automotive, audio, basically the same. Mm-hmm. Share a lot of the it's same all letters. engineering. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it sounds roughly the same. Yeah, and actually, my friend was in it, and that's why I wanted to do it. And I was like, well, we'll just go to class together. Yeah, um, which is actually how I met my wife too. So oh, shout out. Um, and then I dropped out, and I worked at Lowe's unloading trucks from four a.m. to noon for like two years. Wow. It was the worst. The worst. Like it gets to negative forty degrees in Minnesota. Yeah, it's no, that wind chill. Yeah, that destroys. In, in like, you know, it doesn't feel cold at that point. It just hurts. Do you know how thin a semi truck's walls are? They're less than half an inch thick. Whoa! And in negative forty, that's not fun. <laughs> oh man, rough life. So yeah, then I then I like applied to culinary school because I was like, I'll try everything that is yeah. art based. That's why man. I love this industry, though, because you've both dropped out and you're both doing. Cool did you things. not drop out? I did not drop out. Loser. Ask him what he went <laughs> to school for. This is my favorite topic. Did uh, I don't. Should I? It's, you're like gritting. You're it's just not like, a big it's good. Deal. Bryn it's just thinks it's good. hilarious. I went to... Was it a clown school? That's okay. <laughs> Basically. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I went to business school, but my major was entrepreneurship. That's okay. Thank you. Thank That's you. like an important... I'm, I'm, I, 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 don't know. I was trying to... I want to like give you crap for it now because I feel like you were trying to give him crap for it. I don't know. Bryn, I, I, Bryn's business. Just mean I hate the word entrepreneur. That's why. Because it sounds like manure. No, it sounds like douchey. Well... Yeah. I can see why people, like, people that start businesses would be like entrepreneurial major. That doesn't make sense. But it wasn't about, there was some stuff about starting a business, but there was a lot yeah. of things about fundraising. Like what the hell is a cap table? Yeah. How do you deal with investors? Like basic stuff. Like why is a seed round different than? Yeah. You're saying words an, I don't know right now. Round, right? Yeah. Like you learn all that kind of stuff. And I, I think that's valuable. So yeah. So for me, like my when I I I dropped out after two years and went to Marquette for one year. I was doing business. Yeah, and I hated it. I felt like college because I wasn't living on campus either. So I was commuting forty five minutes each way from my parents' house because I didn't want to pay for to for that in addition to the crazy tuition. And I just hated college. I hated everything about it. I didn't like being there. I didn't really know anybody. I'd rather be on the internet or playing video games or building computers and stuff like that and hanging out with friends over at bonfires and whatnot. Um, ah, the Midwest. Yes, ah, to grow up and <laughs> everyone has bonfires all the time. Yeah, yeah, just burn it, burn it all. Um, and uh, I don't know. I feel like I could have gone with that a little bit more. Um, and I switched to UW Milwaukee for my second year, and I started with IT. And like, I only had like one IT class, and I was like, mm, not for me. Switched to journalism, 
And I was like, at the time, I was like, I really liked, uh, I still really do like newspaper and like uh, magazine layouts. Like, I think those are some of the coolest things you can do with design. The, the uh, psychology that goes into it is insane. Yeah. And so my thought at the time was like, okay, I, I can't really go to school. This is, again, this is over eight years ago. Uh, I can't really go to school for like web design yet. Right. Or like anything kind of like, you can do like maybe graphic design, but it wasn't exactly the same. Um, and so I was like, I'll do something that's kind of interesting. I like writing. I like all those aesthetics of print and uh, print design. And I was like, I'll bring it to the web. So I actually have a lot of work on my Flickr account because that's what I used. I just posted screenshots of that years ago. And all of it's like big newspaper layouts and like all these kind of fake uh, magazines and stuff like that. Um, did you do e-zines? No. I mean, I kind of did, but I never, I never actually made one. I just like designed some of them and stuff like that. I, called, I had one called the Daily Spiel. And I was trying to go with that, and I don't—I have no idea where that ended up. How'd actually, how do you spell Spiel? S P I E L, I think. I think. So, what made you decide to drop out? Uh, I just had to get a job, dude. Um, college was expensive. It's even more expensive now. Yep. Um, even CEO—I saw the stat. Even CEO pay hasn't like outscale, like hasn't grown more than tuition. Tuition's grown more than like the pay of CEOs these days, which is crazy. I was glad I dropped out in time to not have any like student loans yeah uh i had like one or two and they were decent loans so like i paid them off within a few years but um uh i needed a job to, to stay in school because i was freelancing doing design and development locally in wisconsin and then i was also working as a line cook at a restaurant and i've been doing that for like four years at that point and it just wasn't enough i needed more i needed more steady income and uh so i started applying for jobs nobody in milwaukee would would hire me because i didn't have my degree because this was eight years ago milwaukee's they're choosy people yeah, actually, so uh, over like half of grads from Milwaukee schools, this was a case a while ago, like would just leave the state because like there just weren't enough jobs for them or there wasn't anything interesting or it was Milwaukee. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> Milwaukee. <laughs> uh, I don't mind Milwaukee for what it's worth, but um, uh, yeah, everyone left. And so no one would hire me and give me a job, you know, I like guaranteed could do it. I even had a couple interviews with big companies that were like, we know you can do it. You've talked the way you talk, like seeing what you can do, talking technical interviews here. Uh, but they're just like, we just can't hire you because you don't have five years experience and this degree. And I'm just like, I do have five years experience, but I don't have the degree. And it's just like, well, crap. So God. applied for Ed randomly at a job in New York and one in California. The one in California got to me, got back to me a couple years later. And within a month and a half, I was packing up all my belongings. I was 20 years old and moved across the country. What was that company? Zerb. Design agency down in the South Bay. And I worked there for two and a half years, then Twitter for two and a half years, and I've been at GitHub now for almost three. Do you still talk with them at all? Because Foundations is pretty similar, right? Foundation is, uh, Foundation. is a competitor to Bootstrap, yeah. Um, and I've known, I know so many people out here that have worked at Zerb. Um, don't really, not, not, not many people anymore. Um, and the, I know the founders still don't end up going hanging out with them that much anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been about five and a half years since I worked there. And one of my... One of my best buddies, Connor, worked there with me. He was hired from Kentucky, Connor Sears. He works with me. He worked with me on Twitter, now works with me on GitHub, too. Um, a couple other guys that come from guys and gals that have come out of there, I think, consider really good friends, really good designers. A couple of them over at Uber right now. And a lot of them are just going on to do really cool stuff. So that's pretty rad. Um, it's a great, you put in so many hours. I remember working like several 70 hour weeks just on repeat. I stayed overnight a couple of times um, just to jam on some stuff. Cause, and it was, I was like super young. I was just like amped to work with cool people, you know? Like, so I was like, I'll get up at 7 a.m., go to work, work till 9 p.m., go home, watch Heroes, eat pizza, repeat. And so it was rad. And it was just like this crazy boot camp that's not only for like your technical and actual design chops, but how to talk about design. And so that was like the greatest thing I took away from that is like how to present your ideas, how to talk to design about people, how to like pitch them uh, on like this design idea, this solution versus this and stuff like that. So, does anything from that still stand out in your mind that you could share? 
like key learnings key learnings uh relating design to people is like the hardest thing i feel like we deal with all the time like communication of design is way more important than like pixel pushing or even like designing in the browser which is why people code like which is why prototyping is a thing right yep because you can communicate much yeah, better with that. I think that was the biggest thing. The thing that's influenced us most is we started doing style guides when we delivered. We would always get in trouble with like our margins and also just like having to do so much more work um, if we wanted to provide like the end goal implementation. Like, hey, here it all. It is. You're good to go. Versus here are the parts you guys actually implement it right and finish it for us. So we started doing style guides. That was the biggest thing. Is like this is how you present and talk about design in your browser. Um, but also. Just being able to like have, I think the big thing I take away from it is like design reviews. Like we used to print out a lot of stuff and we did it at Twitter too. We'd print out big things and we'd just like mark it up and talk about it. And the thing you take away is like, if you just print out your design and you put it up on a, on a whiteboard or you just put it up there for people to look at and you don't talk about it, you're just asking for trouble, right? Like, you know, you, you learn how to guide the room a little bit. Like this is the goal. This is the problem that I set out to solve. Here's how I try to do it. And if you look at this. This is where I think I did okay at it. And this here's where I think I need a lot of work. So if you guys had focused your feedback on this, guide the room, guide the attention around that. And that works for clients. That works for your peers as well, fellow designers, even developers, non-technical, non-design people. If you learn to like talk about that stuff and guide those conversations, you get so much more out of them rather than just feeling like, okay, now I don't know what to do. Like So being able to focus that, take any feedback at any point and try to synthesize it down to really what's useful for you and what people really were after, that's the kind of stuff you learn from a company like that. You went straight from there to Twitter? Yeah, one of the guys, uh, Vitor reached out to me uh, in late 2009, um, and it took a, like a couple months for me to do all the interviews and get up there. But uh, they reached out and they were like, "Hey, we like some of the stuff you're working on. Come hang up." And I was like, "Whoa, okay, sure, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. obviously I'll be there." And the first time I just got to, I went up there and just hung out with Vitor, which was pretty rad. And I was kind of like going up to the, like the big company, just kind of like, uh, kind of like really nervous, goosebumps uh-huh. a little bit, dry mouth, but. Um, uh, did a few interviews. I I heard I almost didn't get the job actually, uh, and I th- I like to think that's because I so I at the time I was the seventh designer and they were looking for somebody to work on the ads product. So I ended up working on ads. So I designed the promoted batch on tweets and and the ads tools and stuff like that. And uh, I was interviewing with Ev. At the time, Ev like talked to all the designers, and it was me and him. And the the recruiter had told me, "Don't bring your laptop. You're not going to need it." And I was like, "All right, chill." And the first thing Ev asked me is like, "Where's your laptop?" And I'm like, "Cinema, <laughs> no. seriously." And so we get put in this monster room, and it's like seats like 20 people, and we sit on opposite ends of the table, right in the middle of it. And uh, he wants me to walk through some of my work and stuff like that. And like he's got this big cup of water, and so I walk up to like the projector because we found a lap, we found a, a machine that I could use, and um, I'm pointing at some stuff on the projector and i tripped over the cord a power cord no it was a power cord. It was like a video cord to plug in your laptop and it almost like it tipped over his water glass like it didn't tip all the way he caught it and i was just like i almost just ruined this guy's week basically here and he's the freaking ceo you know founder <laughs> well, it's just like oh my god this is terrible and so i was like really nervous and then being able, like interviewing with doug and all the other people there people that like you know by name and you've seen their work and you admire them from a long time so it's like it's pretty crazy doug told me he's like i had to fight for you and i was like oh crap cool thank you for fighting thank for me. you that by was, the way that's <laughs> rad but crap <laughs> yeah um but it was awesome um got to work on all the ad stuff for like a year and a half then i got to rewrite twitter.com's html and css doing that was probably the my favorite six months of my professional career i would say um that was this was new new twitter so this was 2011 and in 2011 in june is when jack came back mm-hmm. so twitter was 
naturally going to get a redesign. So Twitter T1 was what it was called, Twitter 1.0. We started from scratch, like a handful of us on the design team went into a room, a war room in uh, the old office, and we just started like designing everything, like all the Photoshop, Photoshop files for every view on the iPhone app, and then one for everything on the desktop. Uh, website and then after a month of that myself and one of the designer got pulled off and they were like go code this go prototype this but be aware that we're on a tight schedule here so this isn't a prototype this is going to go to production as soon as possible and it was like cool we got this so like we spun up a really crappy prototype like that weekend because we were just amped about it and we like iterated so many times over and i learned so much about like how to build css components um how to like stop the cascade of inheritance and like build that kind of stuff and uh also how to like work with other engineers uh, moreover and um, how like this, this cycle of design actually works out between you uh, as a designer in code, working with other engineers and also working with other designers that are still in Photoshop and stuff like that. So it was, it was an intense six months in which we rewrote all of twitter.com's front end and then also I released Bootstrap and that yeah. blew up because that was August. So it was a couple months in and then right on the heels of that, I rewrote Bootstrap again and that was Bootstrap too, like a month out after that, which is crazy. But um, I learned so much about that. My favorite thing was just sitting in like an area with people and just jamming on this stuff. And like with this cycle, we'd get ahead of like the rest of the engineers, like our backend engineers by a full month. They'd finally implement the stuff that we designed and code it up on the front end, have some questions, have some bugs, say we can do it this way or that way. And we'd go back and loop through. So we ended up doing like this weird ellipses of like progress. And it, I just had so much fun doing it. It was so stressful and especially at the, the tail end of it, but it was definitely worth it. It's not, so can I ask what, Made you decide to leap to GitHub? Yeah. Uh, so when I started at Twitter, it was 130 people. I was the seventh designer, I think. And uh, by the time I left, it would grow to 13 or 1400. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people in two and a half years. And the team had changed, the company had changed, the focus had changed. Um, it got, it got a lot tougher to ship stuff. And I think people, when you stop and think about it, like what was going on with Twitter in like early 2012 and stuff like that. You'd be like, oh, yeah, they did kind of have a lull. Like, they didn't ship that much. And it took them a while. Like, after, uh, even when I was there, because it was six months I was there before I left, after new, new Twitter had come out, and it was kind of just like, what now? And so we didn't rally as well as we could have after that. We really should have, and it would have been a lot better. And so there was just a lot of struggle on that. A lot of struggle of, like, ownership over things, being told not only what to do, which happens, like, here's a roadmap, go figure it out, but how to do it. The actual shipping process took a while. The last project I worked on, uh, a couple weeks before I left and ship for six more months, mm. which kind of is kind of crazy. And there's a there's also the other stuff going on too with developers. They just turned off a lot of access for people, and like that doesn't sit well with me. It, it was great to go to the office and be with people that I loved being with, but I started falling out of love with the stuff that we were doing and how we were doing it. And they really rallied a few months later and stuff like that. So in some respects, I wish I had stayed, but um, I loved that I went to GitHub where it's just like everything's so much easier. There's so much freedom. There's not not so much freedom, but there's so much freedom in like how and where you work. And there's so much um, freedom for the people to like pick what they're working on and how they work on it and whatnot. So, and, oh, yeah, also, and you've been there for three years. So almost three years. Something's yeah, going pretty right. crazy. Yeah, and the company... It went from also 130 to around like 320 now. So it's not crazy growth. And that's over over two and a half years of growth too, but not as crazy as Twitter. So that's reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. It seems reasonable. Yeah. 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 That's basically now. And now this is probably what the biggest moment of your, of your career. Being on this podcast right now with mm-hmm. you two, yeah, you it. two yeah. young youngins over here, young bucks, young you, bucks. You, you made the show happen in the first place. I heard that. That's, That's so true. crazy. That blows yeah. my mind. That was a GitHub musical desk thing, right? It was. Yeah, You're a matchmaker of sorts. Uh, I don't know why we're not doing more of those. It was. I would just tweet out like, "Hey, so who what wants was, to come what was hang it out?" Called? It was. 
Musical desks? No, it wasn't no. that. It wasn't uh, that. It was, it was called. It's just a big not like meetup. Detention or it something, wasn't even like. No, it was called detention. Was it? Yeah, we changed it to detention. Yeah, the first one was called musical desks, and they were like detention, yes. featuring live music. This guy on a piano, like a huh. baby grand. So it was yeah. like, yeah, it was basically a detention, and then. So Michael Schultz and I had come over to show you a thing that we were building. Yeah. And he and his friend were there and we were all in the same tour group. And that's like Oh yeah, and then I was giving you all the tour, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just like I was like uh every, the goal is for these things like hey, bring people to our space. We have a lot of space. Let's use it. Let's have people come hang out, eat food, drink with us and work on some open source uh with us. And so we were talking and then I was like I just like having people come over and like hang out. I think it's pretty chill. It's yeah. fun. It's awesome that we're able to do that. Yeah. Uh, we need to do more of that. I wish. I don't know when the next one's going to be. Hopefully soon. And here we are over a year later. Yeah. Congrats, guys. It's pretty rad to be able to start that up. And then you have like a whole network. Working yeah. on it. Yeah. Just recently. Just slaving away. Yep. Yeah. <coughs> link to that in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, the link to wherever you're listening to this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Cool. We're out of time. Anything you want to plug before you go? Nah, man, I'm good. You're good? Yeah. At MDO on Twitter. Not even your, MDO on Twitter. Not even your AMA. There's that, repo? yeah. If you go on my GitHub, there's an AMA repo. Okay. Just ask me anything, whatever you want. Pull request. Pull request. Uh, you can do pull request. So that I, you'd probably only modify the readme. It's yeah. like comments, right? Yeah, just open up an issue and like ask me. Issues. And I'll, I'll okay. respond. There's a couple that I haven't responded fast enough to. There's a couple open ones right now. There's one about Bootstrap's like feature design process, which I wrote a blog post about. I haven't published the blog post. I'm an elitist jerk. You just won't respond. I'm a big jerk. I'm sorry. My bad. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for coming on. Appreciate cool. it. Thanks for having thanks, me, Mark. guys. Sweet. Appreciate it. That was episode 47. That was so much fun. Mark is an incredibly talented guy, super smart, and he has strong opinions about burritos, which, I mean, how can you go wrong? If you enjoy listening or disagree with anything... Like Taco Bell. Like Taco Bell. Hit us up on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM on Twitter. Or you can check out our new podcast network uh, at spec.fm or our Twitter handle, specfm. We'd love to hear from you. We have open DMs, so you can chat with us anytime. And if you're in San Francisco, hit us up. We'd love to meet up, grab a beer, grab dinner, whatever it is. Uh, before we go, we have two sponsors for this episode. Huge thanks to Dropbox. As you've been hearing in every episode for the past like month, Dropbox is incredible and we use it for all of our files. This show would not be possible without them in more ways than one. We use it to sync our files from our partner out in Chattanooga who runs Developer T to here to Sarah, who's our producer. We use it to share files with other people we're working with or with uh, sponsors. They're really awesome. You should go check them out, dropbox.com. Thanks once again to Dropbox. And our second sponsor this week is Code School. They're an online learning destination for both aspiring developers and existing developers that will help you learn to code through entertaining content. Uh, they have in-browser challenges uh, like immersive videos that actually make learning feel like a game, not like you're just sitting through some coding classroom. It's a lot of fun, uh, whether you're already programming or want to get started, they have something for you. Uh, you can learn stuff like JavaScript, Ruby, Git, HTML and CSS, or you can dig into stuff like TryR, Chrome Tools, and iOS. They also have an awesome iPad and iOS app if you're on the go. More than a million people are using them. If you go to codeschool.com slash design details, you can learn more and start playing courses now. Thanks so much to Code School. And we'll see you on Monday with Floris Decker.